update. Uh, will my quizzers please come forward? Heston, Heston's back there. Okay, uh, so <clears throat> we traveled this past weekend to the campgrounds in Tioga for our February state practice tournament. Uh, it was cold, um, but that did not stop our quizzers from showing up and giving it their all. Um, our experience team, made up of Elena Bunch and Lainey Taylor, they uh, played two of the toughest divisions in, uh, toughest teams in their division. Um, Tay, uh, Lainey Taylor was the second highest scorer in a game. Uh, I wanted to say here that, that these two ladies, they are constantly improving each tournament. They're getting more and more competitive against some of the best competition in the country. For those who aren't as familiar with quizzing, like on a national level, uh, Louisiana teams are um, some of the, the best that you will ever come across. Um, and each tournament we say iron sharpens iron. So we're constantly going up against some of uh, legacy families that have been quizzing for years and years. And so um, every time we go to these practice tournaments, uh, it's no easy feat. Um, we're quizzing against some of the top 10 teams in the, in the country, uh, tournament after tournament. So I'm very proud of the uh, progress that they've made up to this point. Our intermediate team as well, uh, made up of Heston, Joseph, and Noah. Um, they, went, um, they went undefeated in round one and then came up against one of those really good teams again through round two, lost twice to them. And so our experienced team ended up placing second for this tournament. Uh, Joseph was second highest scorer in a game. He also came in clutch to win a game in overtime for us. And uh, Noah was our second highest scorer uh, of the tournament on the all-tournament team with like 110 equivalent point average, which is very, very impressive. Um, so we have just three weeks, uh, just to give you guys kind of an update of where we're at in the season. We have about three weeks until our next tournament in Biloxi, Mississippi. Um, this is called South Central Extravaganza. It's one of our biggest tournaments of the year, and it does come with it the opportunity for us to qualify for nationals. Uh, in the past, um, our intermediate team has um, qualified for nationals every year at this tournament, so we um, are really uh, hoping to do so again. So if you could, please, everyone, just keep us in your prayers, mostly just that we stay motivated and that we stay encouraged to continue learning and to continue growing in this ministry. But thank you all so much. Thank you, Quizzers. Well, good morning, Grace Church. It is great to see you all here on campus. Welcome. Tell somebody sitting near you that you're glad to see them on Sunday morning. And those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, glad you're a part of the service today. Well, we've come to worship the Lord this morning, and uh, we're going to do that, I assure you. That is coming very quickly. Um, but I do have a few things I need to talk to you about before we get to that part of the service. So can I have just a couple of minutes, and then we're going to turn the page, and we're going to worship the Lord together. Uh, I am so excited. Today is Connect Group Fair Day. Uh, right after service, uh, right after the altar service over in the Alexander Center, you can go by and you can peruse all of the possible Connect Groups, all the Connect Groups that are possible to join and we have, as of this moment, 10 connect groups. So excited about that. 
that you can choose from. So uh, make that a, a priority after the altar service to be a part of that. Very excited, very excited. Some great ideas, some great connect groups that are coming up, and uh, it's just going to be a blessing to all those that are a part of it and a blessing to our church. Don't forget that uh, 21 Days of Sacrifice begins tomorrow, and uh, we want to spend this time in prayer and in seeking the Lord through sacrifice for His continued guidance and His blessing upon our church. Next weekend will be a very important weekend for us here at Grace Church, and I want you to listen very carefully and make some notes. Um, uh, next Friday, uh, next weekend, Dr. Rhea Cooper is going to be with us throughout the entire weekend. And uh, we have several events going on, several opportunities to engage with her ministry and the presentation that she will be making. The first will be Friday night at 7 o'clock in the Alexander Center. This will be for all of our leaders. It will be a dinner, and Dr. Cooper will be talking to us about leadership. Um, this is for everyone that is in leadership here at church. We define that as those that have a title behind your name, you know, so Sunday school teacher, greeter, uh, media booth, you know, uh, praise team singer, all of those folks and their spouses uh, will be invited to this dinner. We also want to invite our JV serve team, ages 12 and up. Uh, we invite you to come out. Parents, if you need to drop your JV student off, certainly feel free to do that. And then also note that no child care will be provided at this event. You will need to provide your own for that uh, for Friday night. Um, also, the deadline to let us know that you're planning to be at the dinner is today. Everybody say today. And so right before church started, just a few minutes ago, you should have received a text. This went out to everybody in the church. You should have received a text with a link to go and sign up for the dinner. Of course, we need a head count so we'll know how much to prepare. I'm going to invite you to take out your phone right now and go ahead and sign up while I'm finishing up on the announcements. Now, you got to put it away before church starts with a worship service. But if you want to just take 60 seconds right now and get your phone out and just go ahead and you can check that off of your to-do list for today. You'll feel so much better having, having accomplished something already. Um, so go ahead and do that. We need to know you're coming to the dinner Friday night, all of our leaders. So while you're doing that, let me just finish up. Dr. Cooper will be conducting a session Saturday morning at 10 o'clock on depression and another session at 11 o'clock on anxiety. Uh, very important. Please come out uh, and hear what she has to say. It will be helpful to you. It will be helpful to us all and will make us better people and better Christians. And then finally, uh, on next Sunday, Dr. Cooper will be speaking in the 11 o'clock service to the church in general. Uh, so great weekend. We're looking forward to it. Should be, um, should be a great time uh, in the Lord and in his word. Uh, let me see what I am leaving off. I believe that's everything. I believe that's everything. So if you've gotten signed up on your app, I mean on your link through the app, and you're ready to worship the Lord, why don't you stand with me right now? The praise team is going to lead us into his presence. Let's give it all we got, Grace Church. What do you say? God bless you. Praise when I'm sure. Praise when I'm. 
Continue with our worship set. I'm going to invite you to go back to your seats, and you may be seated this morning. We're always so proud of our, our students and what they are doing for the kingdom of God. And today, uh, we're bringing to the pulpit Allison Montgomery. She absolutely. She is a leader among our students. She's a leader in our church. Uh, God's hand is on her life, and uh, she has got the uh, posture and the good acumen to follow where God is leading. And we're thankful for the anointing that God has placed on her. She's going to speak to us for a couple of moments. We want you to give her your attention and let's see what God has for us through 
the presentation that Allison has this morning. Would you make her welcome one more time? Good morning, Grace Church. Um, this was a message that God had given to me back in May of 2023, and I've been waiting for the time where God has given me the liberty to speak it. So I want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Murphy for allowing me to say this today. In the book of Genesis, it talks about all the things God had created, such as the sun, the moon, the stars, and how he has woven us to be his masterpiece. God created all these things, and they were perfect. It was his own craftsmanship. We all know the story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve opened a door to the sin of disobedience by yielding to Satan's deception and from one generation to another, you see the same cycle of sin continuing because of one man that made the decision to disobey God. In our own lives, we face battles and trials from one wrong decision, that one little temptation to sin. We should not love the world, neither the things that are of the world. 1 John 2.15. When you look into the mirror every day, you see that decision. It's hard to hear and None of us are perfect, and we have all sinned against God at some point, but we should not forget what Christ did for us. He died for us so that we should turn to God, not away from him, and in each of our lives, we go through some, through some things. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going through some things. <laughs> we all have our personal battles, burdens, and even our own self-critical thoughts that we're just swimming around in our minds each and every day. Sometimes we wrestle with the things in our mind. Sometimes we wrestle with the influence of others. Sometimes we wrestle with the wonder of what path God has planned for us in our life. Sometimes when a pastor, minister, a speaker of any sort speaks about healing, many of our minds immediately wonder to physical healing and physical pain, but that is only half of what healing includes. Healing is not always physical. Sometimes you need healing from your own self-conscious mind, your own thoughts, healing from condemnations because you fell to the devil's temptation that you were tricked with. So many of us forget the things God has done for us, and when it comes to giving him praise, when it comes to giving him that personal prayer time he so longs for, when it comes to lifting your hands and stomping your feet, when it comes to giving him the utmost glory, you fall short because you won't remember. And when another trial or test comes into your life, you now have to wait for your breakthrough because when he did enter into your situation, before you didn't give him the glory he deserved. He wants more than the breakthrough you desire. You see, some of us are focused on the things God has not done, but God is saying, if only you'd remember. I have never failed you. I will not and have not forsaken you. Trust me and believe me and obey. Hear the plans I have for you and will do for you. But if only you just remember. Don't forget the things God has done for you. My child, it's time to remember. 
God so desperately wants you to bring yourself to him. He wants to give you his pillow and find rest in him and not the world. The world will never satisfy what God has done for you. Some of us feel so lost and alone, rejected from the world. Some of you feel like you're fighting an army by yourself. But in the book of Isaiah 53, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid it where our faces from him. He was despised and esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. In chapter 54 of Isaiah, verse 8, in a little wrath I hid my face from thee. From a moment, but with everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord my Redeemer. Many of us are hiding. You're afraid of committing to relationship you need with the Lord because of the things you've done or the distractions or the temptations you experience with those little peaks of the world or with a doubt and feeling of unworthiness. But I'm here to tell you that one little decision can make one generational big difference. God came to earth himself in the flesh of Jesus Christ and experienced pain, experienced the rejection of others that could have torn him down. He experienced persecution and torment because of the decision of Adam and Eve and was sacrificed who he died for for you. Isn't that amazing? Because of the decision of one, there was a sacrifice for another. So what makes you think that your decision of one can't make a decision for yourself. That's why he is the God of grace. That's why he is the God of mercy. It's because he has lived it. He has felt your sin. He has felt your pain once before, and there is nothing he didn't experience or witness already. He is the God of understanding, and he wants you to have a relationship with him, to trust in him. Even at times when it seemed that there was no answer, even at times where it seems like your situation was hard, it's time to remember. It's time to remember the sacrifices I have made for you. It's time to remember how I touched you. It's time to remember how I felt your spirit. It's time to remember how I filled your pockets with blessings when you were struggling with that job. It's time to remember the healing I put over your body. It's time to remember the accident you walked out alive from. It's time to remember the strongholds I've taken from your life. It's time to remember the plans I have set for you, says the Lord. God is saying, I want you. I want to use you for my glory. I want you, my child. The consistency in our own personal walk with God, I'm here to tell you that it's not because we don't love him. That's short of a bigger understanding. It's because we love him so much. Well, Allison, that doesn't really make sense. If we love God and all these things, wouldn't we give God our everything? Well, you see, when we sin, we begin to be unsure or have doubts about our walk. When worldly desires and worldly relationships, worldly participation causes you to stand on a line between God and the things you have been brought and delivered from, you start looking back on a rope that you've been tied with God. We start taking personal glances. We start doing double takes. We start to take little peaks just to see. What are these peaks? These peaks are the distraction and the temptation against the world. God is saying, come to me. 
come to me and you will find a rest. You are my masterpiece and I have woven you. I have woven you and you are worthy. Thank you, Grace Church. Yeah. 
Great to see you all. Thank you all so very much for coming. Our guest here today, we're so glad you're here. And uh, God bless you for coming. And Allison, thank you for doing such a wonderful presentation here this morning from the Word of God. Well done. Thank you so very much. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Allison is so committed to her relationship with God, and we're thankful for the light that shines out of her. Amen. Thank the Lord. I want to call your attention today to the Word of God in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, a familiar passage. 1 Corinthians 13, and I'll read verse 13. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these, but the greatest of these is charity or love. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning. If charity is the greatest, the title of my message is a question, which of these 
is the second greatest. If love is the greatest, then which of these is the second greatest? Everybody say thank God for the word. Thank you for standing. God bless you and you may be seated. Again, if the greatest of these is love, then which of these three would be the second greatest? The Bible doesn't give an answer to that question, I do not believe. But for the purpose of this message today, I want to embark upon this presentation to you. <clears throat> During the century that ended with 1999, we saw a, a major fulfillment of prophecy when that happened. If you'll remember, those of you that can remember that, we saw a major fulfillment of prophecy than all the years prior. It seemed like when we hit year 2000, prophecy just went into overdrive, if you will, and still is. The events unfolding around the globe today are another significant step closer to the conclusion of history as described in the scriptures. I'm not seeking today to sensationalize the political and military actions being taken around the world, but to share with you my conviction that we must not overlook their significance to the spiritual climate of the world. Many non-Christian and even Christian people are sensing for the first time a genuine sense of hopelessness. This is running rampant around our globe today. It certainly is. Therapists, psychologists, counselors are more busy today than they ever have been trying to help ease anxiety, uh, fear, and what have you. And it boils down to a feeling of hopelessness. So there's an anxiety in our world today as to how the escalating conflicts around the world will radically change life on this planet. The fear of war, increasing terrorist attacks, political fanaticism, social unrest, on and on the list goes and we are all aware of that today. So people have asked the questions. I have been asked these questions. What hope can there possibly be for a better world for our children and grandchildren? What can we find new hope? Where can we find new hope for the present, let alone for our future? Where are our friends, family, neighbors, our colleagues, where are they going to turn for hope? Paul mentioned at the conclusion of 1 Corinthians 13, which is known as the love chapter, I find it interesting that he pointed out that the love is the greatest, that love is the greatest, but he did mention two others that I think rank right up close to the top with the love of God, his love in us, and so on, and that is hope. Everybody say hope. There are so many ways that hope can seemingly be shattered in our world today. First of all is broken bodies with sickness, disease, and disaster. There's broken homes through the conduit of divorce and violent debt, even death. 
There's broken lives, drugs, alcohol, crime, bereavement, desertion. There's broken dreams. When people have ambition and fail, they feel defeat and disappointment. Hope sometimes seems out of the grasp of so many people. There, These all seem to be symptoms of our modern society and today are affecting millions of people, depriving them of peace and happiness and ultimately hope. The wise man said in Proverbs 13 verse 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. We are very mindful of Jesus coming to earth as our Savior some 2,000 years ago. He came to a lost world and brought to our world hope. Everybody say hope. He brought us the hope of being found again. And in the grace of God. And I'm thankful to be one of those that has been found by the grace of God. Amen. People often quote the scripture Jesus said when he said, I've come to seek and to save. A lot of people say those who were lost. That's not what the Bible said. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. It was a broken relationship, as Allison mentioned this morning, between God and and man. He came to a spiritually blind and deaf world and brought us the hope of restored sight and sound so we should see him again and hear his voice again and come back into a restored communion and relationship with him. I would like to submit to you this morning that hope perhaps is the Cinderella of the great threesome found in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Faith, hope, and love. Cinderella, the hope is perhaps a Cinderella of these three great attributes of God. But hope is seemingly the one that's always left out. It is never taken to the ball, if you will. We hear a lot of sermons on faith. We hear a lot of sermons on love. But not much do we hear specifically of this hope that only God can give. Peter said in his epistle in 1 Peter 3, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful and courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew or hate evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good. But, but and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Notice verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you 
with meekness and fear. I want us to consider for a few moments this morning this dream of hope that is in a hopeless world. The Bible fully understands that hope is vital to all living people. Yes, it is. There are so many ways that hope is shattered. We can live 40 days without food. We can live eight days without water. Four minutes without air. But only a few seconds without hope. What do we mean by hope? What did Peter mean by hope in his letter? The word used in the Greek is elpis. And it means a favorable and confident expectation. It has to do with a positive vision of the unseen and the unknown future. Its most frequent use in the New Testament talks about the happy anticipation of good. Titus said in his epistle, Paul, a servant of God, or excuse me, Paul said to Titus, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. I want to submit to you today that hope is not wishful thinking or a vague aspiration. It's not wanting things to turn out well while remaining uncertain that they actually will. Hope is the absolute certainty we have that God is good and that His promises are true. Hope is actually manifested in Jesus Himself who is our hope. Paul said in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And everybody say amen. It was said one time, that the devil was having a yard sale. And all of his tools were marked with different prices. They were a fiendish or wretched lot. There was hatred and jealousy and deceit and lying and pride. All at expensive prices. But over to the side of the yard on display was a tool more obviously worn than all the other tools that were displayed. It was also the most costly. The tool was labeled discouragement. When questioned, the devil said, it's more useful to me than any other tool. When I can bring down my victims with any, when I can't bring down my victims with any of the rest of these tools, I use discouragement because so few people realize that it belongs to me. Satan is never happier than when he sees people giving in and giving up to despair and becoming lost in hopelessness. Have you ever felt like your whole world is caving in around you and that there is absolutely no hope? Your troubles can mount up insurmountability. Cheer up, I want to submit today. I have good news. There is hope when there seems to be no hope. There are situations which appear to be totally and absolutely hopeless. But it's not hopeless, no matter how bleak it seems. There's a picture portrayed via a vision 
and Ezekiel 37. We all are familiar with the story. It's called the Valley of Dry Bones, and it's a depiction of the nation of Israel and their, and their captivity and displacement from their homeland. It's an awful vision. It's one of despair, and it depicts the nation of Israel is virtually dead. It was lifeless, scattered, and bleached out just as this conquered army's corpses were, which were strewn across a battleground in a deep valley. There was no way humanly possible that they would ever be able to rise from this position of defeat they were in. It was impossible by every human eye that gazed on the situation is what this vision God gave to Ezekiel portrayed. Job said in Job 7, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. But oh, remember that my life is wind and mine eyes shall no more see good. Feeling hopeless. There's no greater state of hopelessness than of a man or a woman without Christ. Jean-Paul Sartre wrote, Men can count on no one but himself. He is alone, abandoned on the earth, in the midst of his infinite responsibilities without help, with no other aim than the one he sets for himself, with no other destiny than the one he forges for himself on this earth. Lenzel said, Those apart from God have a feeling of meaningless and abandonment that they cannot explain. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. God alone holds the answer to hopeless situation. So back to Ezekiel's vision. God asked Ezekiel a question. As he, Ezekiel looks out over the valley of dry bones in a desolate valley, God asked him, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, I answered. You talk about getting caught with a question that needs to be answered one way or the other. And Ezekiel knew from a human point of view that there is no possible way on earth these bones could live. But he also knew that God was the one asking that question. So it doesn't really matter how you answer. It seems to be the wrong answer, right? So he just throws his hands up in the air and says, Only you know, God. You only know the answer to that question. From man's perspective, only one answer could come from the prophet's lips. That looking out over that valley of dry bones... And anybody on this planet would agree with you if you said it. Life is absolutely impossible in this situation. Can't happen. It's absurd to suppose that these dead bones could ever live again. But it was God who asked the question. And it is God alone that knows the answer. A man approached a little league baseball game one afternoon. He asked a boy in the dugout what the score was. Boy responded, it's 18 to nothing. We're behind. 
Boy, the man said, you must be really discouraged. The little boy said, why should I be discouraged? We hadn't had our turn at bat yet. I love the attitude. I love the attitude. I may be getting beat to death right now, but you just wait. When I get to the home plate, buddy, things are going to start turning around, and God is going to start making a difference in my life. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord this morning. In Matthew 29, the Bible said, When he, Jesus' disciples, heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Jesus made that what is now a very infamous statement among people that know the word of God. Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men things are impossible. With things, with men things are impossible. But with God, all things. Everybody say all things. All things are possible. Charles L. Allen said, When you say a situation or a person is hopeless, when you say that a situation or a person is hopeless, you are slamming the door shut in the face of God. For with God, nothing is impossible. Somebody said one time, there are, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. The psalmist said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. No one is hopeless whose hope is in God. Listen very carefully. J. Bailey Smith said, have you ever been in despair? The answer is simple. Quit looking at your circumstances and look at God. Notice this. A pessimist finds a problem in every opportunity. But an optimist finds an opportunity in every problem. Don't despair, he said. For God is the answer. I'm talking to a room full of people here today. That have no doubt at one time or another in your life faced what you thought was an impossible situation. You were against insurmountable odds. But somehow, somewhere, an answer comes, a solution comes. Somebody comes and turns the whole thing around. And what the devil meant for evil, God turned it into something that was meant for good. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. It would appear absurd to address the dry bones that Ezekiel was looking at in Ezekiel 37. I would have you this morning picture Ezekiel standing in the middle of yesterday's battlefield among what used to be corpses that is now just a pile of bones and start preaching to them. I've heard pastors say that's kind of like what it's like every Sunday morning at their church. <laughs> I've never had that experience here, thank God. Amen. It would appear absurd to address 
dry bones. He learned quickly. Ezekiel learned quickly, and so have some of us, that God way, God's ways are not our ways. Oh, no, they're not. The prophet speaks at the divine command, the divine message. He speaks for God. And those who listen hear the voice of God. And when the God's word goes forth, things begin to happen. The Bible said in Hebrews 4, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joy of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Paul said in Romans, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. He went on to say, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Every conflict, every conflict with Satan that Jesus had. He overcame the obstacle by using the word of God. In each and every recorded case, he declared, it is written, the word of God is a window to those in prison, those that are in the prison of hopelessness through which they can look and see the light of hope and get direction for their lives. So here's the story of Ezekiel. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I have prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. Don't sit here today and assume that whatever situation you're in, you can't survive. You can't make it through. I say to you by the word of God, if you'll keep your love firmly rooted in him, your faith firmly rooted in him, there is not a situation. There is not one that you can't survive. The church of God has been through the flood and the fire. It's been to hell and back over and over again. And we're still here to shout and rejoice in the greatness and power of God. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord. I want you to notice with me today as we're bringing this to a conclusion. A.W. Tozer wrote in his article, Born After Midnight. He said, religious instruction, however sound, is not enough by itself. Revelation from God will bring light, but it doesn't always impart sight. I've known of people, so do you, know of people today that said in times past that God revealed things to me. And now their life is being lived in total contrary to that. The assumption that light and sight are synonymous has brought a lot of spiritual tragedy to millions of people, Tozer said. The Pharisees looked straight at the light of the world for three years 
but not one ray of light touched their inner beings to cause them to see who it was in the person of Jesus standing in front of them. Light is not enough. The inward operation of the Holy Spirit, he said, is necessary to save in faith. You have to let the Spirit of God work on the inside of you. The gospel is light, but only the Spirit of God can give sight. Paul actually said the Spirit is life. Second Corinthians, he said, now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Spirit's control will replace sin's control. His power is greater than the power of all your sin. If you'll only remember, as Allison presented a little while ago, if you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, you can stand any kind of battle on the outside. Yes, you can. John wrote in his epistles, We are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Moses, Jesus, Paul, all had moments where everything around them felt hopeless. I suppose the greatest of these would be Jesus himself. I don't know that you could get more hopeless from a place of human observation than Jesus was when they pulled his body down off that cross. Not only did they put him a tomb, in a tomb, but they sealed the outside of it. You're not getting out to the carnal man that is total and complete hopelessness, but not to God. To God, our hopelessness and our feelings of hopelessness is only a platform from which God to work to perform the miraculous or the divine work of his hands. That stone was put there, I believe, on purpose by the will of God so God could show his might and power in rolling it away by unseen hands, letting Jesus walk out of that grave Jesus didn't have to fight with a stone in his human body. God took care of it. And I know this morning, as you stand with me, <clears throat> there are people here today that I would enjoy the opportunity of praying with you for a moment. I would value the moment, I should say, of just praying with you for a few moments. Because you feel like your circumstances and things that's happened in your life has buried you behind a tomb. The entrance has been sealed. There's no way out. There's nothing I can do. It's hopeless. And probably if you explain to me the situation, I might agree with you that it's hopeless. But when you bring God into it, Everything changes. And I wonder tonight or today how many battles we've lost because we didn't bring God into it 
as Allison presented here today, if you would remember and think back at how many other hopeless situations you felt where you thought it was hopeless. But God stepped in, and here you are. You're still here to fight another day. I don't remember the name of the man. I don't remember his full name. He was out of what was in times past Brother Cupid's church in New Orleans. Richard Dykes is pastor there now, Jr. But this man was out of that church. He converted, I understand, remembered that he used to be a jazz singer on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Met God, became a minister, and could sing. All I remember, his name was Brother Brown. And he sang many, many times, I have hope when trouble comes my way. I have hope since Jesus has come to stay. I have hope, oh yes, when things are not well with me. I have hope. It's a beautiful hope. It sets me free. I want to appeal to somebody right now. I don't know who you are. I don't have any specific person in mind today to walk down and tap you on the shoulder and say, I'd like to pray with you for a moment. But I know in my heart today, and I feel in my spirit, there's a feeling of hopelessness in some lives of people here today. And I'm going to ask you to turn to God. I'm going to ask you to turn to God today. I want to conclude with this in Psalm 25, and then I'll have you come. Unto thee, he said, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which trespass without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Somebody is here today with a dilemma. And God is here to give you an answer. He's here today to give you a path forward. So as they begin to lead us and sing here today, I'm going to invite everybody to come. Bring your hopelessness, your despair, your discouragement, whatever it may be. You're looking for an answer. God's here today to give you one. Let Him, let Him, let Him work in you. Let Him work through you here today. Everybody come as they sing right now. And let's talk to the Lord for a Seen the faithfulness of God still inside the storm. Oh, yes. Everybody come and talk to the Lord for a little while. I trust the power. Thank the Lord. Y'all come talk to Jesus. Let him help here today. Let him help. He is an ever present help in the time of trouble. Oh, yes, he is. Beyond the 